Today's scripture is Psalm 16. You can find it on page 430 in those black Bibles or on page 8 in your bulletin. But first, please pray with me. Our Father in heaven, in these dark short days as the year comes to a close, we turn once again to your word for it is only in your light that we see light. We pray that you quiet the brain chatter that would distract us as we listen. Open the eyes of our souls. We ask that you empower Joe as he opens your word to us. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Psalm 16, beginning right at the first verse. Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. As for the holy ones in the land, they are the noble in whom is all my delight. Those who choose another God multiply their sorrows. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names upon my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I keep the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. For you do not give me up to Sheol, or let your faithful ones see the pit. You show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, I have a question for you. Are you happy with your lot in life? As you assess the past year, would you say that it brought you a lot of joy? Psalm 16 is a psalm of David in which he expresses his contentment with his lot in life. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasure at your right hand. Isn't that interesting? It really struck me again this morning as I reread this. Huh, God is interested in giving us pleasure at his right hand. The surprising thing is that this psalm was written at what was probably a very trying time in David's life. It might well have been written in his early years while he is fleeing from Saul, who is pursuing him like a hound after a rabbit from hiding place to hiding place. Notice how he starts out. Keep me safe, O God. For in you I take refuge. And yet here, despite 
his troubled existence, David thanks God for the fact that he is alive and he affirms his life and his lot in life. As we close the year with its triumphs and its regrets, its songs and its sorrows, under the guidance of the Lord, let us reflect together on our lot in life as the Lord has given it to us and reaffirm our joy of living in Christ. Our message this morning is in three parts, not so much three points as maybe three stages. The first then, let's try to get a sort of a general picture of our lot in life. An important key to understanding this text and this psalm is to recall the allotment of the land of Canaan as they were entering the promised land. This is described in the book of Joshua, chapters 12 through 19. And God's people are in the process of conquering Canaan as they are about to enter the land. The land is divided by lot, sort of like imagining the 13 original colonies and who's going to be governor where and who's going to live where. And it's like flipping a coin is a, is a bit of an analogy to this idea of drawing a lot. Imagine that. Picking the place to live by flipping a coin. Why? In our secular world, we say, would say, well, that leaves it to chance. But we don't believe in chance, do we? We believe that all things come to us by God's fatherly providence. He is the author of each moment and each day. And there are places in the Bible that actually talk about the very place that we live is, is granted by God and selected by him. The intention is to remind us that God is the one who ordains each and every day and each step of our lives. That really it isn't by chance, but by his fatherly goodness that we receive all that we have. This is the basis of the poetic imagery in our text. That the lot was not arbitrary, it was given by God. Note, however, that the psalm is not literally talking about the real estate that he controls. At this point in his life, David was probably homeless, running from place to place. And yet he says that he has a lot of joy. He, he is affirming his place in life. It is like that for you and me too. We need to also affirm the boundary lines that the Lord has given us, the, the places that he has given. And we say with the psalmist, I too have a goodly inheritance to pass on to my children. 
But now that brings me to the second point of our message, the contrast between the lot of the godly and the ungodly. This is the lot of the ungodly. Those who choose another god multiply their sorrows. Notice that. The sorrows are multiplied. Note the interconnection of one's god and one's lot in life. This too is illustrated by the allotment of the promised land. When the Israelites received their allotment of land, they immediately faced a choice. You see, the land formerly in possession of the Canaanites had all kinds of local deities. These were called Baals, which are known as place gods. We look to God and we think of him as the Lord of the universe. But the Baals were sort of like local. So you have one God in Madison, you have another God who runs things in La Crosse, and so on and so on. The region of Gibeon would not have the same God as, shall we say, um, Jericho. Thus one's lot where one ended up living, immediately faced one with a choice of worshiping Jehovah or the local deities because each local area would have its own deity and its own idols in place. And many Israelites succumbed to the temptation of idolatry. They chose other gods instead of sanctifying the lot by destroying the idols. There is certainly a lesson to be learned here. Often one choice in life conceals another choice. There are hidden things that you don't necessarily expect. When verse 4 speaks of multiplying sorrows, it reminds me of Adam and Eve and their choice in the garden. They chose the apple. Now, what's the big deal? It's just an apple, an apple is an apple. But God says, you know, you can have all those, but not that one. And instead of listening to the voice of the Lord, they listened to the serpent, Satan's lies, says, that's okay, that's okay. God is just territorial. He, 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 he just doesn't want you to be like him, knowing good and evil. Go ahead. And they opted to listen to the serpent. And choosing Satan led to serious consequences. One of them is mentioned in Genesis 3, verse 16, where Eve is told that her pains in childbearing would be greatly multiplied. Adam and Eve learned by bitter experience that those who choose another god multiply their sorrows. And, of course, that wasn't the end of it. A whole host of suffering and evil and trauma has followed, all because... They didn't really understand what they were doing.
There were hidden consequences. These types of things are referred to as unintended consequences, booby traps, if you will, minefields. Consider the story of Abraham and Lot. There's lots of lots in the sermon today. As another illustration of the point, Lot cast his lot among the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah. Ironically, the Bible says that the Jordan Valley, listen to this, was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord. Hmm, isn't that striking? Those pastures really were greener. But his choice was a hidden choice for the evil of the place. When Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed, Lot, Lot's choice cost him his wife and his home. But let's pause a moment. Unintended consequences are not always disastrous. It isn't always the case that unexpectedly we run into disaster or problems or trauma. Unintended consequences can be hidden blessings. Some are booby traps, but there are also unexpected joys in life. In sharp contrast, note David's shining affirmation of his lot in life. His God is Jehovah, and he has multiplied his joy. And therefore, he says, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. David is affirming his lot in life. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. There's a rather famous story called Acres of Diamonds. It's about a farmer who lived near a region where fortunes in diamonds were discovered. So the farmer sold his farm, went to a neighboring county to go prospecting, and he searched and searched and searched and found nothing. Meanwhile, the farmer that had bought his farm discovered acres of diamonds. And so he ended up rich beyond imagination. Unexpectedly, he was blessed, and the other man missed the hidden blessings that were right under his feet. Sometimes, to borrow a phrase from C.S. Lewis, we are surprised by joy. This helps us understand how David could affirm his lot in life when obviously this psalm was written in the context of a very troubled situation. He begins with a cry for help, after all. Keep me safe. And, well and good, he's alive, and that's something to be thankful for. But that kind of begs the question, in a way. Because sometimes sorrows multiply. 
and one wonders sometimes, is life really worth living? If you meet enough troubles in a year, it hardly seems worth bothering to keep on living. How do you, in a world where evil abounds and sorrows multiply, affirm your lot in life with joy? I mean, is there really such a difference between the lot in life of those who love the Lord and those who reject the Lord? Sometimes you wonder. The bad guys seem to get away with murder, and they come away singing. Is life really so much better for us? Let us fine-tune the message of this psalm. And this brings me to the third part of the message. We affirm our lot in life by faith and not by sight. We affirm it by faith. Verses two, verse 2 is an affirmation of faith. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good. We live by faith and not by sight because things are not always what they seem, as we have noted. The forbidden fruit in paradise seemed good to eat, but eating multiplied their sorrows. Lot's choice seemed like a better place to live, but it wasn't. Abraham's choice, no doubt, seemed less desirable, but Abraham chose the better portion. What seemed good in the past year may turn out to be a rotten apple, and what seemed bad this past year may be a blessing in disguise. What is certain is that there is both good and evil, and both good and evil are allotted to us, after all, by God. All things come to us, says the Catechism, not by chance, but by his fatherly providence. Therefore, we affirm our lot in life by faith, trusting that what comes our way is, after all, intended for our good, and as Paul says in the, in the book of Romans, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. Sooner or later, the uh, blessings will be unpacked. The birth of a baby is sometimes called a blessed event. But a woman in labor will probably tell you that it is a bit of a mixed blessing. And have you ever considered what being born is like from the baby's point of view? What is the blessed event like for that little one? The time before we are born seems like a pretty comfortable existence to me, like being in a nice warm bath. The baby doesn't even have to breathe on its own. I mean, how cool is that? And then someone pulls the plug. Hey, who let all the water out? Hey, hey, it's getting awful tight in here. And where is that light coming from? Oh, that hurts my eyes. Who hit me? 
Both can be difficult, even painful for mother and child, and yet we call it a blessed event. And the time of waiting for the arrival of the baby is filled with anticipation. The holiday season is also a mixed blessing sometimes, isn't it? Filled with both hope and sometimes regret. When is your family celebrating Christmas? When, in other words, is the blessed event happening at your home this year? Have a Merry Christmas. Oh, we will, hopefully. And yet we should pause to acknowledge that for many Christmas was not without its heartaches. And today someone might tell you, you know, with the new year coming on, oh, hope you have a happy new year. Hmm. Happy new year, yes. But what will the new year bring? People have all kinds of problems, health problems, financial problems, personal problems, family problems, and there's the struggle of celebrating while at the same time there's a grief in your heart because, because of some loss. And yet, the beginning of a new year will be filled with hope. Because at the heart of the human history is the story of a world waiting for the blessed event, the coming of Christ. There's a subtle but instructive ambiguity in this psalm, I think. David affirms his lot in life, but in fact, he was homeless. Interestingly enough, there was an entire tribe which, though not quite homeless, did not have a territory of their own. The priests of the tribe of Levi received no territory in their lot. There were 48 cities throughout Israel set aside for them. The meaning of this is found in God's word to Aaron the high priest. Listen to this. He says to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance, neither shall you have any portion among them. And here comes the clincher. I am your portion and your inheritance. Me, God, I am your lot in life. I am your portion. So when homeless David says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, he seems to be identifying with the Levites. He has no land, but he has God, and God is his, is his inheritance. The, the message by, translates this way. My choice is you, God, first and only, and now I find that I am your choice. Another way the psalmist expresses his faith in, in the words is by saying, you have made my lot secure. As if saying, God is holding my lot. He's got it in hand. 
Whatever our circumstances may seem like, we confess by faith that God is going to multiply our joys, both in this life and the life to come. With David we affirm, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also rests secure. David had a security in both soul and body because he trusted in the promises of God and he was not disappointed. He lived to see his own coronation. Huh? He did become King David. And we who are in Christ will also see the day when we are crowned with glory, people. Crowned with glory. Let me be literally down to earth here for a moment. Our souls and our bodies also rest secure, for we can see beyond our circumstances, even our, our death, to the promises of eternal life and resurrection. I once read that the task of the pastor is to prepare people to die well. We are preaching from the Bible, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. We're all going to leave earth at some point, folks. And on your deathbed, a small lot, at least in the traditional burial, a small lot is set aside for you somewhere in a graveyard, and you're going to be placed in it. And then as Christ, as a Christian, as you face that, you will say, the Lord gave my life and now he takes it away. Blessed is the name of the Lord. And in so doing, you will be sanctifying your grave and sanctifying that lot. As the Catechism reminds us in Lord's Day 16, death is an end to our sinning and an entrance into eternal life. Christ, you see, has hallowed the grave. And those who have Christ as their portion and their cup are more than conquerors. Christ shows us the path of life. In his presence there is fullness of joy. In his right hand are pleasures forevermore. The poet William Cullen Bryant expresses it that faith in his poem, The Waterfowl, which I refer to in the cover of the bulletin. He writes this. He who, and he's writing to his waterfowl, okay, but also us, really. He who from zone to zone guides through the boundless sky thy certain flight, in the long way that I must trace alone will lead my steps aright. He's got it almost right. The Lord will lead our steps aright. But he's got one thing a little bit off because we are, in fact, not alone. No, never alone. For we have Christ, who is Emmanuel. God with us now and always. And that, people, is a lot of joy. Amen?
Thanks be to God.